Hey everybody, I'm here, just getting started. I'm really tired today, so um, I'm not sure. I'm <laughs> I'm tired in a way that I can't even <sighs> explain. I think I am profoundly sort of soul deep exhausted at the moment. Um, so today it felt important to have this conversation about friendship. And I'm having it because, you know, it's it's part, this is going to be part story time, part podcast. Um, over the weekend, I, I think probably the final nails were tapped into the coffin of a friendship that I've had for half a decade, over half a decade. Um, this is how to do better. The do you really have black friends edition? I think I'm trying to figure if I should start with the story or start with my own history. Mm. The story that I'm going to tell is is going to be familiar to most Black people um, who who find themselves in primarily white environments. It's something that I think a lot of us share. Uh, the thing of All right, I'll, I'll start with me. I was raised in a very white town, culturally black, very black household, but I spent my life going to church with, sleeping overnight with, going to school with um, white people. So as far as getting to know kind of like different kinds of white people in different areas and stratospheres of life, from billionaires to people who have absolutely nothing. Um, I have run the gamut, been in their homes, taken care of their kids, slept at their homes, all that kind of stuff. And so for me, I, I guess, I think I came to a place where I realized that I felt as if I my, my friendships weren't that close, weren't that connected. Like I was aware, I have this thing in me, like I love people. I feel like when it comes to my friends, I absolutely love them more than they love me. I'm like a puppy. <laughs> Emotionally, I'm, I'm a bit like a puppy. I, I love you and I'm all about you and I accept you for who you are, the way you are. You never need to be different for me. That's me, right? That's the kind of friend I am. And that's how I, how I conduct friendship. That's just the way it is for me. But I was still aware that in, in spite of my natural way of moving through relationship with people. I was aware of a feeling of this person thinks that we are really, really good friends. 
and we are in the fact that I'm a very good friend to them, but they don't feel like my close friend. And I didn't know what it was about um, until George Floyd, frankly, it took that long for me to really recognize what was up in my friendships, especially the interracial ones. Because, the, and the truth is, is when you start compartmentalizing yourself, it's not something you just do in one space. I knew, felt that I knew that talking about race in my friendships with my white friends would be catastrophic. And I don't know if that, if that was true about them or not. Um, the closest I ever came to it before, I'm gonna say 2015 probably, was when a girlfriend of mine, we were in our 20s and she, we were talking favorite movies and hers was Gone with the Wind. And she thought I should watch that movie, which I had not seen. And I'm an old movie buff. Like I have seen movies that you've never heard of. And I kept hesitating. I would avoid the subject. And finally, I said to her that I would see it. And I watched the movie, was left entirely cold by it. When she asked me about it, I said, um, I may not have the same perspective about this time period as you do. And she said, oh, I didn't even think of that. And that probably was the closest that I came before 2015 to having racial conversations of any variety with my white friends. My black friends, my friends of color, we go there a lot. It's not a big deal. After 2020 though, I made a decision that if I was gonna have a close friendship with anyone, a significant friendship with anyone, I would be talking about race. I would be talking about my blackness. I'd be talking the good, the bad, the funny, the hilarious, the tragic. And let me tell you, a lot of people left my life very quickly, very quick succession. I lost, I will say that I probably lost, um, let me think. One, two, three, four, six friends in less than a year. And I'm not, you know, most of the friends that I have, I've, I've had at least 10 years. So, let me know. I decided to enter into a long distance relationship because I think I've told you guys before that I've been living the COVID life for a really long time because I have disabilities. So my friends live in my computer for the most part. I have to say that I am a little bit at a loss. My brain still cannot process how quickly and easily my quote friends abandoned our friendship. People that I've cried with, people that I've held while they cried, people I've hung out on the phone with while they took care of their sick mother who was dying, people that I've confided in who just like that were gone. And it's something I never could really understand. I'm a little bit at a loss now. I feel like I understand what happened. I just don't think I under, 
understand why it was necessary. So this weekend, it happened again with someone I've known, as I said, for over half a decade. He wanted our, mm, we had a kind of casual friendship, sort of casual slash flirty friendship. And he wanted to change that into a relationship. And I'd been curious about him. I admit it, I'd been curious. And I really felt that there was a rock solid foundation of appreciation for the humanity of each other, like who each of us was as a person. I always felt with him that he really appreciated me as a human. And I really appreciated him and his qualities as a human. So I thought, hey, you know, let's give this a go and see what happens. So we did. And within days of injecting a romantic component, I started to feel like a space alien. Like, like some creature with weird, unrelatable practices that, you know, cautious questioning could could uncover. It was more a vibe that I was picking up. Like suddenly, it was like suddenly he remembered that I was Black. And suddenly there was a lot of just ideas about the strangeness of what that must mean. He said a couple of things, not a lot, but it was, an, but there was, there was a vibe there that I just felt suddenly as if I was not just a stranger to him, but strange. That really bothered me. And I thought, we're going to have to have a conversation. I mean, of course, we were going to have to get into race some because, you know, there's no way I'm going to be in a relationship with anybody and we're not going to talk about race. But I was so sh shocked by this kind of exoticizing of me because I like I said, I've known him for over half a decade. That I thought with us knowing each other for so long that he'd had plenty of time to, you know, get out his feelings about me being black, you know, his white feelings about my blackness. I, I, I felt that there was plenty of time for him, plenty of time for him to be surprised by my vocabulary, to be uh, interested in, to be shocked by the fact that strangers have touched my hair. I felt like there was plenty of time for all of that stuff to have come out and for him to be over the novelty of me being a black woman. Um, I used to have these group chats that I hosted and many of those conversations centered race, gender and sexual orientation. Was he just not listening? I don't know, I don't know. It's a virtual world that we're inhabiting in a particular space, some random guy uh, tries to use the in word to attack me, hard ER, right? And my friend is present for this. And his response, because I addressed the guy, I was like, could you watch your language? I peeped him when I first came into the space. It was something about the way he was talking that I understood back in my brain, in the part that detects such things, that he could be a problem. I remember thinking to myself, it's a Sunday morning. I just want to chill. I really hope this guy isn't going to be racist. And he, of course, drops the N-word. 
I ask him not to. Um, he and I get start to get into it a little bit. He starts trying to explain to me that he's Dominican, which I know is BS and he knows is BS, but he also knows that neither the white people with us understand that that's BS. Because black people, we do not use the N-word with a hard E-R unless we're trying to degrade someone. And for sure, whether you're allowed to use it with the use it with an A if you're Latino, you most certainly do not have permission to use the hard E-R. So he knew what he was doing. And I knew what he was doing. And he knew I knew, and I know I knew he knew I knew. We knew, we understood what conversation we were having between the two of us. I wanted to get into the weeds with him. Um, and I was trying to figure out how to do that, a apart from saying, could you watch your language? When my friend hops into my DMs and says, this is why I don't think anybody should use the word. And I am suddenly in a WTF moment because now not only do I have to deal with the ignorance of the fool who's talking to me, and the ignorance of his girlfriend who was stepping up for him, I now have to deal with the ignorance of my friend as well. Now I just want the conversation and the interaction to end as quickly as possible. So I do that. And, you know, to his credit, he right away, he typed again, um, yeah, we can talk about that another time, which I appreciated that he understood that now wasn't the time, but it also shocked me that in a moment when I'm being attacked with a word that is frankly triggering me, it does trigger me. I was half in tears the entire day. It had been a while, not been a long time since I'd heard the word because in online spaces, there are people who grief using the word. You show up and they're griefers and they're griefing everybody. So they do it with you too. And that doesn't really hit me that hard but it'd been a long time since someone attacked me with that word. For me, it has profound personal relevance. My grandfather, that was probably the last word he ever heard. He'd been overserved one night, decided to sleep it off in a police department parking lot, and they found him with his hands tied and a plastic bag over his head. That's my mother's father. And my mother's trauma, because in those days, they didn't have grief counselors for little black children whose fathers were killed by white men, is what I've lived with. That word triggers me in a personal way. So I'm trying to deal with my own emotional state, trying to manage the energy of the situation because now my friend is also part of the problem. It was a lot to do in that moment. And all he had to do was like, oh, I'm just sharing my opinion, right? He's like, we can talk about it another time. And I immediately decide, yes, we are in fact going to talk about this another time. I brought it up to him twice. I said, well, let's, let's do talk about, you know, the use of the N word and who should use it. I thought that's my end for having the conversation, starting the ball rolling. I knew that he was nowhere near the same pages as my exes had been as far as their understanding of race, because here's what I know. 
my last three exes, I think only one of whom was black, when that guy said the word, it would have been purely my option as to whether I needed to, do, to address it personally, because all three of them would have been on it. And I knew that. So in this situation, I knew that I was dealing with someone who was still pre-K when it came to racial conversations. So I brought it up a couple of times and kind of waited for him to give me an opening or to bring it up himself and no joy. So finally I said, let's talk about, you know, that inward thing tomorrow. And I followed through on that. I set the table for the conversation, invited him to, into a space and we started talking about it. I wasn't ready. I did want to talk about how I felt exoticized or alien or othered or whatever in our relationship. Um, but in that time, I backed way off. And I don't understand how he didn't recognize that things were not okay, because I backed so far off that he must have felt the draft. But he pretended not to recognize it, I guess. I'm saying pretended, maybe he really didn't, whatever. So um, I needed to have an understanding. I wasn't feeling safe enough to come to him and say, look, there are times when we, in our interactions, there's just something about the way we're interacting where I feel like my being black is a brand new toy for you to figure out at your own pace without my involvement. I'm feeling uncomfortable with that. And I'm feeling let down by the way you didn't show up for me in that conversation where the guy used the N-word. And um, I didn't feel comfortable saying that. It would have been too hurtful if when I brought those very personal hurts up, he'd shown up badly. So first I thought, we'll have the conversation about the N-word and see where that goes and see how that goes. So we talked about the N-word and when, if, how, and for whom talking about race is necessary. He was very much of the opinion that it isn't necessary to discuss unless you want to, and if you don't want to, then you shouldn't have to discuss it, and that's fine. Um, obviously, I was not in that camp. <laughs> he mentioned having friends of all races, and I said, but do you really? He reminded me that he'd been in a long-distance relationship, another long-distance relationship with, a, with an African-American woman who was living in Europe. And I said something which I I thought was self-evident, which is you might not be as close as you think if you've never talked about race. He really took offense to that. Whew, boy, did he ever take offense. I tried to explain it. I tried to explain my own background, how for me, it wasn't, it, this isn't an indictment of you as a person. 
sometimes people don't talk about race with their friends for all kinds of reasons. For me, I just thought it was my problem to deal with. I will deal with it. There's a weird thing that happens to you when you grow up in white spaces and you're a black child, especially if you are dark skinned, which I am. Um, you, you, you feel afraid of reminding people that you are black. So I just sort of taken this habit that I, that started when I was very young and carried it through most of my life until there came a point where I felt sharing with people, allowing people to know me also means allowing them to know my blackness and my relationship with my blackness. I do believe that I had friends at that time in my younger years who would have been willing to have these conversations with me, most likely, because most of them had a lot of black friends. I just avoided the subject because it just, it was too uncomfortable for me to figure out how to, how to bring it up. So when we, when we got to that point and I explained, you know, this isn't necessarily about you, but it is kind of true. I said, look, your girlfriend, your, your ex-girlfriend, she would have had racial experiences to talk about because if she lived in America, she grew up in America, and then she moved to Europe. I know myself, growing up in America, going to Europe, how my blackness is responded to in Europe and various countries is extremely different from how people respond in the U.S. Extremely different. And depending on the country, even different from each country in Europe. So the idea that that would be a topic that she never even broached with him said something to me. Didn't necessarily say anything about who he was as a person, but it most certainly said something about her own comfort level with talking about race, whether it had to do with how she felt he might react or whether it was just her own personal like difficulty and block in bringing this stuff up. I said to him that if you're not talking about race, if you're not invited to a black person's home, you might not be as good a friend as you think you are. Another thing he took profound offense to my saying that I don't care about intention. I care about how people show up. I talked about my evolution. And when I think about the generosity I brought to the conversation, I'm still, I'm shocked and confused by how badly it went, how badly these conversations in my experience have gone. I told him that I don't judge him for not getting it. As far as I was concerned, we never needed to discuss race again once I understood where he stood. I still feel like he's a great person with what I imagine to be a very complicated life. We were not going to be lovers and we're not going to be that close to friends, but the relationship that we'd had where we kind of flirt a little, kind of laugh a little after time goes by and this stops being like disappointing. I just didn't see a need for it to be a big barrier for us still continuing to know each other. 
I feel like as awful as the world is, as many urgent, urgent, essential problems there are to care about, individuals have limited bandwidth. We can't care about all the things all the time. There are things we have to choose not to engage with. We just do because we don't have, we do not have the energy. We do not have the strength. We just don't have it. If what one of the things that you're choosing to throw overboard as far as being concerned about are black white relationships or black white relations or black people's concerns that is absolutely a valid choice to make i don't agree with it i as a black person it would be very difficult for me to agree with it but i understand it and i don't judge you for it so i said all of this and it wasn't until uh, once we had that conversation and then he became icy, really cold the following week and a half or so, I asked if we could talk again. We did. And by that time, I'd gotten enough emotional distance where I could talk about the things that were like pressing that had been really disappointing to me personally and his actual behavior. So we had that awful conversation. It went very badly. I finally realized that even though I'd been holding so much space for him and he'd been so angry and accusatory and not holding any space at all for me, I realized that he wasn't angry, disappointed, or fighting with me. It was the reality of who he was that he had the most hate for. There are ways that he liked to think of himself. He liked to think of himself as an easy to talk to person, as a person who's open to people and curious about their condition. What I did in having that conversation with him was show him that he fell short in a number of those areas. Truth was, I was also telling him you can't have a relationship with me, not the kind you want, because you're not the person I need you to be. You're not even the person you say you are. That's what he heard every time I opened my mouth. He also knew, and I know, that in order for him to shift his ground to be that person, he'd have to upend his entire life. Because what did I say about compartmentalization? We don't just do it in one area. We don't say, I'm going to compartmentalize this thing and only this thing. Once we start compartmentalizing, it's a coping strategy and one we can use in any area, whether we're conscious of it or not. He figured out a way to survive life, to do life with these boxes. And I came along and told him, that's not good enough. That wasn't my intention. My intention was only to say, hey, look, I need to know where you are on these issues so that I can know where I need to be with you. And if you're not where I need you to be in order to have a certain kind of relationship, it's fine. We can just go back to the relationship we always have. To me, that's all I was saying. But to him, <laughs> 
to him, he blamed me instead of engaging with the fact that he didn't like the reflection in the mirror that I was holding up to him. So I was saying, the things that I was saying were in bad faith, designed to be divisive and provocative. I don't care that much about intentions. And if I'm not talking to you about race, we aren't that close. Two true things. Those in his mind designed to be divisive and provocative and said in bad faith. To me, these are simple facts of my culture. And in trying to explain to him, these are simple facts of my culture. He did what way too many of y'all do. He asked a black friend at work. And I said, sure, you're always gonna be able to find a black person who will agree with you. You will always have that. Cause you know, the person he's, he says, you know, I just wanna ask you this. I have this question about, do you need to talk about black people, about black, blackness in order to be friends with white people? His friend was like, what did you do? He didn't tell his friend what he did, which I found interesting. I said, that's great. Yeah, you can always find a Black person who will agree with you. I'm telling you about the conversations with multiple Black people I'm having. I have had, I have seen content creators, my own feelings, my own lived experience and understanding of like my own relationship with white friends and how and why and when and if I started talking to them about race. Let's, and I'm going to say it again, I don't care that much about intentions. And if I'm not talking to you about race, we aren't close. And let's talk about why that might be. And at this point, I am happy if you, if there's people in the audience who would like to come up and either share experiences or ask questions or argue with me. I, I, the floor is open for any and all of that. So please feel free to, uh, to join in if you'd like. I'm going to talk a little about why intention isn't that important. And I said this to him during the conversation in a moment of frustration. I said, the only way I can be friends with white people is for intention not to matter. Here's why I say that, because in that moment, where that guy was using the N-word to attack me. I knew that when my friend said what he did, when he said, you know, this is why I think nobody should use the word, I didn't question his intent. I didn't question that he was a good person. I didn't question whether or not he cared about me. I didn't question any of those things. What I understood was that he had a lack of knowledge. So that is how he showed up. So I needed, in order to even continue liking him, to separate his intention from his actions. So that's one thing. Um, oh, we have someone waiting to talk. Dr. Robert James Goodman, please do come up. Um, hello. hello. Ooh, Dr. Robert, welcome to the... Welcome to the conversation. How are you doing? Oh, good. No, I've been on this uh, app from uh, 
where they invited invited me to be a beta. So um, I've been on, on here over a little over a year. I wrote a book, you know, um, and, and, and truthfully, the name of the book is Unaware of Your Awareness. And, uh, and uh, it's the point of, I found out that I was dyslexic uh, in the fifth grade. And, uh, and I didn't let that stop me. The little story about being in the sixth grade, I mean the fifth grade, our teacher asked us to memorize the 50 states and learn to spell them. She asked me to go to the blackboard and spell Mississippi. I could not spell that word forward, but what I did is walk to the other side of the blackboard and I spelled the word backwards. She said, James, you are dyslexic and that's unique. So after that, I went to the library, looked up the word, and it says it's different areas of the brain that processes language. So since I knew that, I challenged myself. And also flashed on, oh, that's why I can say the alphabet's backwards uh, quicker than I can say I'm forward. Okay, well, Dr. Robert, thank you for that. We are talking about black and white friendships and how to, some of the uh, complications therein. Yes, I'd okay. And the point of that is that um, black and white friendship is my grandfather was white on my mother's side, but not only that, he was part of the Ku Klux Klan. My father on my father's side, grandfather, he was black, he's from Africa. So, but uh, coming up, I didn't let that stop me from whether uh, being with the white peoples or being with the black peoples. I was learning to be who I am, you know, and that that was the difference between blacks and white for me. I didn't choose no race. I choose me. Thank you for saying that. Do you talk about race with your white friends? I'm married to a white woman. Oh, okay. Do you and her talk about race? All the time. And what about your friends? Do you talk about race with your white friends? Uh, yes. What would it mean if you couldn't talk about race with them? My father friend said, who's your best friend? He pointed to me. His son says, who's your best friend? I said, my father. He said, I thought you was going to say me. I said, were well, you my uh, best associate? You know, so it's like that. Uh, it's the level of dignity and responsibility for yourself, not no one else. I think that is something that when you just said that, I think that is something that I've heard or experienced a lot 
in my thing. And thank you again for, for coming up to, to talk about your own experience. It, that thing, that moment of, I cannot tell you the number of times with my white friends, especially those that I don't talk about race with, or I don't talk about my blackness, or I don't talk about anything that touches on race. Mm-hmm. And Yellow said, you know, that I'm a good friend of theirs. And I know for myself, we're not that close or I'm not that close with someone and they've been surprised. Or I thought, thank you again for coming up, James. Either they thought that we were close or they were surprised to find out that I thought that we weren't. That's happened a lot. I think what James was saying about, you know, bigotry and different people, I think that's super important. But the thing that I'm locking in on right now is that for him, at least, he talks about race with his friends, with his wife. Race is a topic of discussion. It's not off limits. It is, if you have black friends and they are not talking to you about race, the likelihood is, is you are not as close as you think you are. That is because what happens to me in the course of the day, things that I experience, things that I look at that bring me a kind of black joy that is like, you know, black joy is different joy. It's a different kind of joy. (laughs) I, if I'm not sharing that with you, I am not sharing with you a deep, extremely connected and ubiquitous within myself part of who I am. And how can we be really friends if I don't share those things? Another way of knowing that you're not really friends with a Black person is if they've never invited you to their home. If they've never invited you, because we don't want, we don't, we don't tend to, I'm not going to say, if this is not, of course, you're not a monolith, different strokes, different folks. But if you've not been invited to a Black person's home and you consider them a good friend, this is a conversation that you might want to open up. There may be reasons for that. Because here's what many of us have experienced. I have one friend in my life. I do not consider a close friend. I'm aware that in my life, I am the person whose name comes up if someone says to her something about her being insensitive or not understanding something or racist or whatever, I'm aware that my name is gonna come up for her because that is the function primarily for her that I serve in her life. She's not interested in me. She's not interested in my life. She's not interested in what's going on with me beyond some very, very superficial things that she always asks me about. You kind of get a vibe for where your friends are on the spectrum without even needing really to have the conversations. I assumed before I started having these conversations before like 2020, there are a number of things I assumed. There are people in my life that I felt that I picked up from them a sense that um, they were uncomfortable with the idea of talking about race, but they were okay with it. It wasn't something that, it was just like, you know, not something, they, they, they're engaged in other things in life. There are other people in my life who I felt would be willing to have certain conversations, but not others. There are other people in my life where I felt like they have some kind of 
trauma around race and that if we had a conversation about it, that it would get hot. Let me tell you, I was not wrong about a single one of those people, half a dozen of them, six people. I knew exactly what was going to happen. Approach them similar way, each of them, because I believe you have to set the table for, for these conversations as if you're dealing with someone who is going to panic and freak out on you because they may in fact panic and freak out on you. And they did in fact, with the exception of one person, panic and freak out on me. <laughs> I started with the person that I thought it would be easiest and it was in fact the easiest conversation I had. Thought I might build on success and it didn't quite work that way because the ones that I sensed would be complicated were complicated. We are living in, oops, Mike, but we are living in a hostile environment. If you're a black person in primarily white spaces, your environment is hostile. That is, you're aware there's lots of microaggressions that happen. There are aggression aggressions that happen. There's, you know, well-meaning uh, dialogue and questions that are just offensive or invasive that are asked or topics that are spoken about. You just aren't aware that you need to have your guard up in certain ways. You need to be aware of who's around you and how they behave. So you pick up on so much. You get to know so much. The other thing that you're really aware of is that while you know a ton, a crap ton about white people, they often know very, very little about black people and even less about you and are, are fine with knowing nothing about you because you are their black friend. You are the, you're the person they're thinking of when they say, I have black friends and that's enough for them. What I've just, another conversation I've decided to have with my white friends, which I've had with all of them except for one, is do not mention my name. If someone comes to you and has smoke for you with how you're behaving, how you've handled the situation, how you've shown up, do not mention me because I am irrelevant to that conversation. Just because you're not problematic for me in this moment, in this situation, in this context, doesn't mean that I can vouch for how you're gonna behave in other contexts with other people in other situations. So you might be problematic there. We are all problematic. I myself am quite a problematic person, but what people who wanna have interracial friendships have to get on board for is embracing the fact that they're problematic and being willing to hear when that shows up and not to take it so personally, because it is not personal to you. If you are in a place where you have a white, a black friend who, and you look around and the environment is mostly not black, the person already knows you're problematic. The person probably already has an idea of the ways in which you are problematic. And they do not hold it against you for the most part, I mean, there are people who move all kinds of ways. So let me be fair with that. They might, but I'm, I don't know anybody who, who holds it against white people that they don't know certain things.
Because here's what we understand. For the longest time, media has been aimed to comfort, entertain, engage the most racist among us. The goal is not to offend the racist folks. For a long time, that's the way media conducted itself. And we're only now just getting beyond a point where we're, start, where we're starting, we're in the beginning phases of being okay with offending racists. So yes, we're aware that most of the stuff that you consume is not helpful to learning how to interact with different kinds of people. And if you haven't been practicing interacting with different kinds of people, being curious about them, being empathetic towards them, then probably there are the ways you're gonna show, even if you have, because there's just like vast amounts to know about other kinds of people. There is just so much. There, we live in a country of multitudinous cultures and each culture is in itself a world of its own. Living next to people is not the same thing as knowing them. So if you have black friends and you're not talking to them about race, I would advise getting brave and asking them why not if it matters to you if it doesn't matter to you admit to yourself that it doesn't matter and learn to be okay with that so when one of your black friends comes to you and says you're not engaged you don't take it as if they're telling you that you're a terrible person. They're just telling you that you're disengaged and that they noticed it. I am, please feel free to come up if you would like to. I have a message. Let's see. Oh, Robert was saying that he and his wife have been married for 30 years. That's wonderful. If you would like, if you have questions that you would like to ask, Feel free, this is a brave space. This is a place where you can ask questions that you might fear are offensive. <laughs> I would love to hear from you. And Darlene is here and she is going to join us. And I have, I, would, I, I can't wait to hear what Darlene has to say. Hello, Darlene, welcome. Can you hear me? I'm fine, can you I, hear me good? Cause I got my earbuds on. Hey, I, you know, we're only talking about friendship today. We're talking about... We're just talking about... You're talking about associates, and, and my grandma already told me, you'd be blessed beyond your wildest dreams if you meet one good friend in your lifetime that got your back, boo. Because everybody ain't got your back. And everybody you claim to be a friend ain't your friend. And it's amazing. I'm 64, but there are people that I know who would like to tell me all about how they don't approve of my beliefs. And I'm saying, well, what the hell? What am I supposed to do with your disapproval? Because I'm going to believe what I believe because this is the vision of me through my eyes and the Lord has blessed me. So I must be doing something right. But if you're struggling, boo, maybe it's you. <laughs> I have to make myself laugh sometimes because it is reality that we're living amongst 
dysfunction and you start watching a Netflix series, like I can just actually binge on a Netflix series and just not even think about the world going on and watch it for 12 or 15 hours, just straight, getting my snacks and getting my water and trying to tune out what's happening where I live as yeah. our my people aren't making it. Yeah. And what should we say? I mean, if you don't know, you have a right to be educated Darlene. without being... You just have a right, huh? Yeah, we do. And you know, I want to get into the friendship aspect of it because that is something that what your what your I think you said your mom said to you about friendship. My grandma, my grandmother. Yeah. This is something that and I'm she also being a little bit. I mean, this might be also a little bit of a cultural difference. Um, well, no, no, but, because you have to realize we're living in America and we have all kind of cultures but, around us. Your beliefs are yours. But, but, Mm-hmm. you're getting way off topic way off topic um that this diff there is a bit of a cultural difference i think i i my in my observation like i was told the same thing but i and i was raised like i said in a very white area and one of the things that my mom would say to me is all these these library friends Always and be what now? Hmm? You said always to be what? That my friend, my mom's had a, that not everybody is your friend. That not everybody that you think is your friend is your friend. And she would be very, very clear with me about some of my white friends, honestly. Associates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, yes, that was, you know, acquaintances was the word that she would use. But yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. I uh, use it. You have, mm -hmm. you have friends and you have acquaintances. And mm -hmm. my sense is that in various parts of white communities, that there's a different definition. I that, don't, I mean, I'm going to say this because I'm 64. I've met white people and black people and they're just human beings. But if they ain't got your back and they want you to have their back, it's just something totally different. And you just have to realize that we pay our way as we go along. In some situations you tolerate simply because you need what's over there. And so you stay as long as you can to get what you need and then you move on. But you don't need to realize, you need to realize that whatever you need, the universe is going to provide it to you. Now, how do you make use of it? Because that's the real deal. And if you can't calm yourself enough to understand that you're just there to listen and gather information and move on, just passing through. And here we are. We can't do any better than we know what we have to do, what we have to change in order to do better. So many of us fail to communicate, and that's just the way it is. But if you never talk about how you feel or you want to socialize with somebody who never tells you how they really feel. And then when they have the moment, they step up and tell you about you. Well, what should you do with that? I've decided not to do a damn thing. People can perceive me how they perceive me. I tell my son that this woman got on, she went to call me a narcissist. And, and he says, well, mama, that just says, that just means that you love yourself and you don't have room for interpretation of anybody else's interpretation of how you see it. And I'm saying, yeah, because the rules are the rules. And if you ain't making it, you ain't making it. 
And we need to talk about that. But maybe that's just me. No, I appreciate that because I think that that is, look, I, you know, here's the thing. I'm really bicultural. Like I, that's I, right. I know <laughs> I am black. Not, you're, all right. But, but it really doesn't matter because you but, can love who but, you want to love. But truthfully, but truthfully, as far as like, no, and I, and I don't say that to say, oh my gosh, no, no, never. And, you know, because I have no problem with people being biracial and I have no problem with interracial dating and all of that because I've done plenty of that myself. Um, I, but what I mean is like, I'm very, very black and, but I, but the difference when I say bicultural, I mean, I was socialized both white and black. Me too. So, my right. dad was in the air force. So mine and- <laughs> girl. So you it's know- just real. It gives you a, a different perception it of does. life and, it- and you're living on base housing. So all your needs are met and you get to go to the movie theater for a quarter. You can spend your time in the hobby shop and do jewelry making or, you know, pottery. I mean, you know, all those resources are on the base. They provide resources for the children who are being raised up. Right. And so in the service of we're getting Mm -hmm. off topic again. (laughs) No, I'm just, I understand what your topic is, but I'm saying that we have, we all come from different places. That's all I'm saying. We do. We do. And I think that's one of the things that, what I noticed for myself is that being raised in a very black household, I made a lot of assumptions. Like I going forward, I realized that I thought everybody was raised the way I was, that everybody got the same messages about womanhood, about friendship, about love that I did. And because we were raised in the same town. So that meant that we were, so what, I, what I've discovered over time is that there are certain messages I got about women, womanhood, and about friendship that mm. are not necessarily the same messages that my peers were getting. That friendship, I realized looking back for them was a lot more transactional and functional, had to do with who you were next to more so than who you connect with. Does that I don't understand that one. So like you, you had a friend based on the fact that you went to school with them. I, I have people that I went to school with. Yes. And there are people right. that, that I still talk with that I went to school with, but we right. were and- related in any way, meaning that we didn't socialize, meaning exactly. I knew them by sight, but I wasn't in their crowd because my parents didn't have the same amount of money that they did. And you have to just understand that people run in those circles where they believe who they, what they believe and what can I say? And that's, and I, that's one of the things is that I was raised with particular definition of friendship Mm. and schoolmates were my schoolmates. They were not my friends. That's what the word was in my house. Thank you so much coming up Darlene. I really appreciate your input. You just really brought up a lot of, I forgotten all about that whole acquaintance versus or associate versus friend thing, but that's a really big part of it. Like I, I was raised with the idea that friends were people that I connected to people who had my back and whose back I had. 
they were not, they were, they were not, they were not, they were not people that I was in the company of automatically. Those were not automatically my friends. And I remember being at coming school from home from school and talking to my mom about my friend Cherie, right? My friend Cherie. And she's like, that is not your friend. That is your schoolmate. And I'm grateful for that because if I told you about the number of times that Cherie was shady and difficult, you would not believe it. Cherie faded in and out of my, my existence for reasons I don't know, because, you know, I was really young at the time and I have my thoughts, my suspicions, my ideas. It was, we were still, it wasn't, we didn't have official segregation in my town, but there was social segregation was still very much a part of it. So your parents protected you by helping you to discern between people who really had your best interest in mind and people who did not. And you did not call people who did not have your best interest in mind, friends. So when I say I'm a friend, when someone is my friend or that I have people in my life, I, and I, I do think that's a little bit of a cultural difference sometimes. I'm not saying like every white person was raised to have transactional relationships because I don't believe that. But I do believe that there's more of a leaning in for some white communities where children are more likely to come up with the idea that if you go to school with someone, they're a friend. And you know, if you're in class with them and you talk to them, they're a friend. If you go to work with someone and you talk with them at work, they're a friend. And these are never people that I've ever, ever on any planet ever considered to be my friends, ever. I don't care how much I talk to at work. If I, if we haven't developed a connection where I feel like you have my back, we are not friends. And I don't know how, how true that is for other black folks, but it is definitely true for me. And it is definitely something that evolved to large degree because of my blackness and being situated in a white space. It probably would be very different if I was raised in an area where where the majority of the people around me were also black, I probably would have people at school that I just talked to that I would consider friends and it wouldn't be considered essential on my mother's part. Essential. It was essential to her to inform me, these are not your friends because it was just, not, it was safety. You know, it was a question of making me safer, emotionally safer, in some instances, physically safer to make those distinctions. And it's carried through with me to this day. So I would offer, if you are really willing to talk about friendship <laughs> and the whiteness and the blackness of it, please do feel free to come up. Otherwise I will redirect the conversation as much as I can and then maybe cut your time short. So I'm, I'm sorry for that, but I, I, I just need to do it. Um, the, other part that I wanted to discuss, so we, I think we've gotten into as much as possible the idea of if you're not talking about race, 
probably you're not as close as you think you are. The other part was about intention. And I started it off by saying that I couldn't, I couldn't be friends with white people if I didn't separate action from intention. I couldn't be friends at all with any. And I kind of feel like to humanize that more, I think on a human basis, it's helped me a lot because it means that I can see, watch how a friend shows up for me and recognize that they have needs that go, uh, that go beyond and apart from what I need from them. And so they may not be able to, willing to show up for me in the way that I need them to in particular situations. So I, he wanted this, this friend of mine, he wanted credit for meaning well. And um, I give him that. He has credit for meaning well. I believe he meant well. In, in our first conversation, I believe he meant well. In the interaction where the person used the N-word, I believe he meant well. But the way he showed up was a problem for me, created more problems for me. And frankly, I care about that much more because that part affects me. What you intend, that's for you. That's your business. That's what makes you feel good, able to sleep at night. That's fantastic. How you show up is what affects me. It's incredibly selfish. It's incredibly self-centered. When someone comes to you and says, hey, what you did is a problem. And you tell them, I mean well, so it's okay. Or I mean well, so that should count for you. You don't get to decide what counts for me. If you're not willing to engage with my issues, with my struggles, with my joy, but you expect me to care about how you comfort yourself when you screw me over, you got another thing coming. Meaning well is not enough. Read. Ask questions. Those things matter. Those things help. And the thing was, I banged my head on this same wall eight times now. And what's so frustrating is the idea that you're because what happens when you try to make intention the central piece, the thing that's most important, what happens when you try to make intention the most important thing is you get to ignore the needs of the person you're talking to because you met well. You get to ignore what they're asking of you because you meant well. And that doesn't work for me. It doesn't really work for anyone. Foundationally, it doesn't work for people. I have, I, uh, <laughs> I take intention into account when behavior doesn't measure up, when someone does something that's really problematic or hurtful, 
I, I say to my, I know that their intentions were not that their intention was not to abandon me. Their intention was not to stab me in the back. Their intention was not to not show up for me. I know that that was not their intent, but the behavior that showed up that caused me a problem is still the behavior that caused me a problem. So this is <laughs> deeply complicated. All right. It looks like I don't have anyone who has questions that they would like to ask at this point or in a, a discussion they want to engage with. So I'm going to probably wrap this up. And how do I want to wrap this up? How do I want to close this down? I want to say to Black people who are in interracial friendships, who have broached these subjects and had them go wrong, you're not crazy. You're not a terrible person. It went wrong. You're probably not to blame for it, to be honest. These are hard conversations to have. It is difficult to have them in a way that goes, quote, right, where there's a gap of understanding. So I have a different understanding of friendship than my ex-friend did. And so when we started trying to talk, my idea of what we were trying to save was very different from his. And just recognize that that may be the case for what's going on in those conversations that you've had that have gone badly with friends. I'm going to say it also, there's another part to this that I forgot to add in is again, when I talked about the, this person, we've known each other for more than half a decade. Most of the people that I, the, the seven, the other seven people that I'm no longer in relationship with or six people that I'm no longer in relationship with, we had relationships that went back years, at least four or five at the least. And we've always had good, we'd never really had any like real unpleasantness. I thought they were a cool person. I thought they thought I was a cool person. I thought they thought our interactions were valuable in their lives that were meaningful, meaningful to them and mine with them were meaningful to me. I found our interactions meaningful. So to me, I thought we were trying to save something important. And I think what I've come to realize is that though I felt it was important, for them, it was less important. For them, it's quite possible that I was a couple of stages up from just being the Black friend whose name they call when someone challenges them for being problematic. So for my black, for my, for my fellow black people who've had these, these experiences or these conversations have gone considerably left, it's not you. It's what happens. There's a panic response that kicks in. There's a freak out that happens. And if you're sitting there, listening to the person try to tell you what they hear you saying and not recognizing either the words you said or the intention they're telling you you had believe me that is just what the way it goes because that person 
has now come into conflict with themselves and they can no longer hear you. They stopped listening and you haven't done anything wrong. They're fighting with themselves because your something about your interactions, something about what you offered them held up a mirror and they didn't like their reflection. And now they're shadow boxing the, the reflection, but they're actually hitting you. And that is what's happening. You're not crazy. You're not terrible. You didn't do a wrong thing by bringing in the topic up. This is a conflict that that person is in with themselves. And you've become irrelevant, surplus to the conversation. So I'm saying that to fellow black folks, for, for white folks, if you have, if you would like to have black friends, it's important. Here's, here's some of the things that you can do to be a better friend to your black friends. Research. Do some research. Go read, read articles online, follow black Twitter and start to get a vibe. Because let me tell you something. If you have a black friend and you guys have never talked about race, you know nothing about them. <laughs> this is one, this is something I've realized. There's like, there's a, there's a huge part of them. You know nothing about join black Twitter. You will learn how true that is because you will see sides of black people who have black people who have PhDs to black people who have no education at all and street knowledge and the way we interact with each other. And believe me, black people with PhDs and black people with street knowledge interact with each other regularly and there's respect. There's just so much about us that is rich and textured and fascinating and beautiful and hilarious and ridiculous. There's so much, you're missing so much if your black friends are not talking to you about race at all. First though, they have to know whether you're safe. And so here's what I would advise. Ask the question, why don't we, why don't we talk about race? But before you ask the question, by all means, find black Twitter, find black Twitter, follow some black folks, read the dialogue that happens. I would say there are, there are a number of black YouTubers who talk about black issues in great detail. One of my favorites that I haven't watched in a really long time is called The Grapevine. It's a, a panel discussion of black millennials who sit down and talk about stuff in the world. And you can kind of get a, get a sense of some of the, some of the current concerns in the community. And all of this helps you get a handle on how we speak. Because another thing that is, that I recognized in my interaction with my friend is that I keep forgetting this. And when I get into a conversation with like this, with white people is that black people talk to each other very differently. We do real talk. And I know that white people use the, the term real talk, but I have absolutely no idea what it means. 
being able to abandon diplomacy and get to the nitty gritty of the issue in all the ways, with all the methods and all the language that you can use to express your feelings, to express your thoughts, to hash the entire thing out between you. But there's always the understanding that you are still connected, that you are connected at the beginning of the conversation and you will still be connected at the end of it, which is something I think is very hard for a lot of white people to understand because there comes a point of intensity in conversation where being able to have future conversations is just not on the table. And it takes a lot, lot, lot more effort, a lot more negativity in a conversation for Black people to get there often than it does for white people when they're dealing with each other. So if the conversation gets intense, recognize what they're doing. They're not hating you. They're not getting ready to throw you away. The likelihood is they're being really honest with you and they're honoring you because they're assuming that you can handle it. Because there's a way that I know how to talk to black to white people. There's a way that I talk to white people who I think can't take anything. I'm, well, you know, you've sort of seen some of it. This is my, my good for all markets delivery of content. Not entirely. I mean, I, I've added a little spice in there, little edge, but mostly good for all markets. So there's a way that we know that we have to talk with white people about issues when we have an issue. And if we are addressing you as more intensely as we might each other, it says that we think you can handle it. So understand, no, the conversation is, might not be pleasant. It might be really, it's going to be extremely uncomfortable, but it's so worth it. Because when you have, when I feel safe, I have friends, I remember I, I had a, I have another white friend and <laughs> after our, the inward situation, I called him up and I was like, dude, <laughs> This is the whitest white man I have ever dated. And I had no question that he understood exactly what I meant and also that I would not offend him. And it also means that when, when the, the YouTube short or the TikTok or whatever that clipped from the whichever late night show by whichever Jimmy it was that was playing Password with Yvette Nicole Brown and Kiki Palmer went around. I sent that to him because it was hilarious. It was, it was so funny and it was a quintessentially black moment. And I sent it to him and I knew that he would appreciate it and he did. And you could be that person, but first he had to be willing to show up. First he had to be willing to hear the things that are hard to hear without taking them personally. The, the trick there is to listen slowly. If you need things to pause while you have your response, your reaction, to just say, hey, hold up, hold up a minute. I just need to, let me just process what you just said. And now let me ask you, is this what you meant by saying that? if you think that they meant something bad about you, about you as a person. Slow, 
slow the process of listening down so that you have space to really process what is actually being said instead of what panic is telling you they might be saying. Read some books or listen to some books. <laughs> the names and the titles are out there. I personally, as far as I always give people YouTubers to, to follow because I find it's there's something about having a black person talking to you about these things. T1J is another person I like to follow. Um, there's T Noir, so that's T E E N O I R. She's another person that I listen to a lot. She talks a lot about. She gives cult. She gives pop culture commentary through a, through a cultural lens. Um, FD Signifier, I think I mentioned. He talks a lot about masculinity and where it intersects with blackness. There are a lot of people that you can, so start there and do your homework so that you're not quite so unprepared for the unusual conversation that you're about to have with your black friend. If in fact you do decide to talk with them about race. And if you're deciding right now, ah, nah, no, 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 I cannot. Uh, there's nothing in me that is able, <laughs> there's nothing in me that is able to broach that topic with my black friend. Do the research anyway, do the research anyway, because one day there may come a time when you do something or say something that your black friend feels the need to address with you. And you want to be able to show up in a way that doesn't blow up the friendship if you value it. You want to be able to show up in a way that doesn't blow up the friendship if you value it. So do, do some research, you know, do some reading. Um, watch some YouTubers, <laughs> follow Black Twitter. What else? I think, I think that's pretty much my entire, what I had to say, I think. I feel like there's something else that I'm missing that's super important. Eh, I might do it, I might do it, I might do a part two. So please, if you, please do follow me and for more content, check out my social media. I think I have a link to one of the social, my social media or some of my social media. Um, and if you have questions, baby doll, please use, utilize wisdom. Ask me all the questions. I want all the questions. If you're too nervous to send it to me in chat or to come up and talk to me, just, you know, Go on, go ahead and send me a question. It could be anonymous if you, if you prefer, absolutely fine. And I will answer it, okay? And I appreciate your questions because I think that's like one of the things, the fear of asking questions, you, you guys, we've got to get over that. We've got to get beyond the fear of asking hard questions. So, you know, 
buckle your courage to a sticking point and ask away. So this is it for me tonight. Thank you all for showing up, for listening, for sticking around. I appreciate it tremendously. I hope, I hope I've said something that's been useful or helpful or enlightening. And I think that's, that's where I, where we're going to end things for the night. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Remember that, you know what? Being a good person doesn't hinge on what we know. It hinges on the willingness to empathize and be curious. I think that's much more important than whether we know specific things. So if we're willing to empathize with others, if we're willing to go a little go, go a little out of our way for others, we're still good people, even if we get it wrong, even if we mess it up. My friend, no doubt in my mind or heart that he's a good person, still a good person, just triggered deeply triggered by our conversation. Anyway, have a great night all. I wish you well. Maya is out.